Hello there, you. Are you well? I hope you are. It's uh, Thursday, the 14th of December, 2023. My name is Richie Allen. This is The Richie Allen Show. Today, I will be taking your telephone calls, your Skypes, and your calls via WhatsApp. It might very well be the final phone-in of 2023. It might very well be. So let's make it a good one, eh? It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Lovely. Now, you know the telephone and Skype details already. If you don't, go to the Twitter account or the Facebook account for the Richie Allen Show and you'll find them there. Okay? They are on memes, the numbers, all the numbers you need. And here's a thought, here's a thought. Why don't you send me a WhatsApp text message to indicate that you'd like to come on for a chat when I do open the lines just after 4.30pm UK time. That would help me greatly, you see, because I'm on my own. I'm all by myself. So it's um, WhatsApp and Skype and all the rest of it. Thursday's programme, the end of the week. It's been a good week. It's been a long week. But anyway, lots to talk about. Yeah, so when isn't there? When isn't there? It's cliche city today. Lots to talk about. When isn't there? Uh, The WhatsApp number, as I said, is pinned. Well, it's not pinned, but it's on the Twitter. It's on the Facebook thing. Just look for the photographs there. But the Skype and telephone details are as follows. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Not now, you crazy bastard. Get your hands off of that telephone. Not now. When I tell you a little bit later on this hour. And then we'll go to six o'clock. I didn't say five today, did I? I didn't say it starts at five. No, it starts at four. That is right. Now, where do I begin today? I suppose we can begin with this, because it just made me laugh today. The trans bullies won't silence me. Talked about this on the Papers podcast. Papers podcast, usually online before 8am Monday to Friday. The trans bullies will not silence me. It's a, it's, sorry, it's a Conservative Party MP called Rachel McLean. And she is the party's deputy chairman for women. <laughs> She's the Conservative Party's deputy chairman For women, they used to say chairperson. They should say chairwoman, because that's what she is. Uh, She's embroiled in a storm because she shared a derogatory post about a green... uh, about a green party candidate. A green party person who wants to be an MP. And that green party person is Melissa Poulton. Melissa's a bloke. No doubt about it. There's no disguising it. No matter how much slap and tickle Melissa throws on his face. Uh, he's a bloke, right? Melissa is about the blokiest looking trans thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, have a look if you don't believe me. And there was a bit of a row on Twitter anyway. And McLean says, um, you're a bloke in a wig. <laughs> so this hasn't gone down well with those who stand up for the rights of the beleaguered trannies. God love them. By trannies, we don't mean transsexual women. We do not. We mean blokes with their tackle fully intact who want to fool us. Who want, who want to basically, who want to, what do they want to do? They want to humiliate us, I think. 
Now, I don't mean the, the men in drag. I don't think they want to hum- humiliate us, but I think the establishment, whatever is behind the agendas we talk about, wants to humiliate us by making us say she when you've got a big fat hairy bloke with a big bulge in his trousers and the worst wig you've ever seen in your life. Should have went to Maury's wigs. Good fellas. Should have went to Maury's. Maury's wigs are so good they don't come off until they've been strangled by a telephone line by Robert De Niro. So some of the most awful looking pretend women, they want us to, they want to humiliate us by forcing us to engage with it, you know, and say she, yeah, that Melissa, yeah, she's running for the Green Party. Give over. Anyway, Rachel McLean said, enough of that old shite now. I won't be saying any of that. Now, Rachel was on talk radio with Peter Cordwell presenting today, and a bloke called Richard Power Saeed, well, I've no idea who this guy is. Presumably, he's some sort of LGBTQ plus dipstick. LGBTQ plus D. And, and he wanted to have a pop at the Tory MP, Rachel McLean. The deputy. What is she again? <laughs> Let's go back. Let's scroll back. She's the party's deputy chairman for women, honestly. Ah, oh, sure, that's crazy, right? So Rachel was on, the Tory MP. And this guy, Richard Power Saeed, who wanted to have a pop at Rachel for not standing up for for the trannies. You're in a really senior position politically and in your community and you decided to um, endorse um, and, and add your own comments to this really nasty treatment of an actually quite vulnerable public figure. And the thing is that most people in this country, like people have got different views on I trans rights. Vulnerable. Because, because vulnerable. Good stuff. Peter Cardwell interjecting. How do you know that she... I'm disgusted with Peter Cardwell for referring to this bloke in a wig as she. But anyway, how do you know she's vulnerable? Why aren't the trans people vulnerable? All trans people are vulnerable. In the how? How are they? All of them. Country. All, all trans, trans people are vulnerable. All trans people are How do you know that? This country. Because if you're a trans person in this country and you get onto a bus, you're probably going to end up get, getting shouted Doesn't mean they're vulnerable. Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Trans people do not get on buses and get shouted at. People avert their eyes normally. I've not been on a bus in a while, but I was on a train recently and a trans person came on and I just don't want to be looking at them and nobody's shouting at these people people are embarrassed the fucking state of him that's what goes through your mind sometimes and then there but for the grace of God go I because ultimately I'm a compassionate soul and I think it could be you with gender dysphoria or it could be you that was brainwashed in school into thinking that well you're not actually gay what it is is you're, you're trapped in the wrong body <laughs> right nobody's shouting at trans people Boy. Sounds pretty vulnerable to me. I don't think so. I think okay. you can be very, very strong. I don't think you can make sweeping generalizations about these things, right? I didn't say that they're not strong individually. I'm saying, saying that they vulnerable. are. I'm saying they're vulnerable to. You're saying we should feel sympathetic for people simply and because of their identity. MP, That's identity politics. If an MP is able to go out there, be incredibly nasty okay. to this person, and then say... Incredibly nasty. It's a bloke in a wig. Oh, but I was bullied. Okay, let's, let's, no, I'm going to say one last point. One last please. thing. Rachel. You're the chairman for for for, for women. women. Um, uh, chairman for women. <laughs> uh, um, in the Conservative, it shouldn't crack me up, but it does. Party. Women are much more likely than men to support trans rights in this country. That's really based on what? YouGov polling from April this year. Shouldn't you be supporting trans rights? Well, Rachel, do you support trans rights? I do support trans rights. Doesn't sound like it. You called her, I'm not even going to repeat it, a really nasty I will, a bloke in a wig. Nasty thing. You, that's not somebody who supports trans rights. That's somebody who I thinks support, that it's fun. Let, let Rachel speak. Fun let Rachel speak, please, Richard. Rachel. I do support trans rights. I support trans rights, and I've been clear about that in everything that I've written. 
Okay. Uh, and trans rights, but not for this one person who's not even a political threat to you and just being really publicly nasty to them. Okay. You're making... Okay, Richard, final word to Rachel, then we're going to move on. Rachel, final word to you. Uh, no, I don't accept that at all. Uh, I support trans rights. I support the rights of my opponents to identify as a different gender. Uh, but I don't support the right of any man to say that he is a queer woman. Yes, that's right. This this Melissa Poulton bloke also claims to be a lesbian. A man in a wig says I'm a lesbian. Yeah. Okie doke. Remember the days when you didn't have to engage in this nonsense? Oh, you, a child. You know I'm a lady, don't you? No. You, man on the beach. You know I'm a lady, don't you? Ah, you're a bloke. I'm a lady. No, you're a bloke. You're a bloke. God be with today's. Uh, this is the Richie Allen Show Thursday's programme, the 14th of December 2023. If you'd like to comment on the show, get in touch via the app. There is an app for the programme or use richieallen.co.uk live comment. Comment live. I look forward to reading your comments. But as I said, I'll be taking your telephone calls, your Skypes and your WhatsApps in around about 25 minutes. The telephone and Skype details are... It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Now, do you have a pen? I'll give you the WhatsApp number. It's on, if you go to Twitter, there's a, I, I, my, my most recent post on Twitter, there's a video. Underneath the video are the memes with the details. But the WhatsApp number, and you can send me a text message indicating you'd like to come on. WhatsApp number is, are you ready? If you're outside the UK, you've got to do the plus four, four and all of that and drop the zero. But if you're in the UK, the WhatsApp number is 0756594270. I will say it again, 0756594270. I'm looking forward to chatting away with you. I'm looking forward to giving you the reins of the programme today. You can take over so you can. Uh, now, to the fallout from the COP28 conference. What do you think about imposing a quarantine on men who don't change their sex physically, but declare themselves to be women and want everybody else to be involved? Hey, listen, before, before, I, car- before I move on to the climate bollocks, I am a Manchester United supporter, God forgive me. Uh, no, 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 not God forgive me, God save me. Because it's rubbish these days. And I use the club's official app. I use it to buy tickets. I use it to keep abreast. Do you like that? I keep abreast of information about the football club. And I went on the app today. I probably go on there every day. No, not every day. Probably every couple of days. And I went on the app today. Now, this is a widely used app. This is a big deal, this. And I was confronted on the homepage... How can you be a better ally for the LGBTQ plus community? Our One Love Live panellists answer that question. How can you be a better ally for the LGBTQ plus community? Allyship. We've talked about this in days gone by on this programme. The silliness of this on the one hand, but how spooky and how sinister it is on the other hand. You've got to be. Why do I have to be an ally? An ally of somebody uh, because they are um, in the same-sex relationship, or because they fancy members of 
their own sex? Why, why do they need allies? Why do they need allies? Can't ask, you can't ask that. If you dare ask it, you know, well, you'll be kicked off. They won't allow any discussion of that. Why do, do they need, why do gay people and lesbian people, why is it they think they need allies? And why do you put pressure on me to be an ally? I couldn't give a shit about gay people or straight people or non-binaries. Not interested in somebody's sexuality. As we've said a thousand and ten times on this programme, it's the least interesting thing about a person, isn't it? Ultimately, who gives a shit like? Okay, COP28 fallout. They inserted in the draft of the agreement that they will transition away from fossil fuels. Some activists said, well, that's not bloody good enough, right? That's not good enough. Phase out was the term they should have inserted in the agreement, according to the climate evangelicals. So listen to this. Tony Juniper, this lunatic advises the government, and he heads up uh, an organisation called Natural England. So he was on Sky News this morning speaking with Kay Burley, and the topic of discussion was the idea that they didn't choose the term phase out. And if that really makes any difference, listen to some of the claims made by Tony Juniper on, to be fair, great name, great radio name, uh, but he isn't on the radio. Tony Juniper with Kay Burley. And so the negotiation is just that. It's trying to find a way of giving everybody something that they can say they support. And the compromise that came was to transition away from fossil fuels. Now, that sounds a bit weak compared with phase out, and it is different to phase out. However, it's the first time that this has been said in these meetings, which is a remarkable fact when you consider that fossil fuels is the main reason for the planet heating up so dramatically. And the fact that it's taken so long to say that in one of these declarations, I think just sums up the sensitivity and the huge difficulty of getting countries aligned on this. Now, we have got that particular step and it's good and we should celebrate it. But there's another piece of language in that text which says we must now move on rapid sustained reductions in emissions. And that's actually more important because sometimes you finish up thinking, oh, it's OK if we get to zero emissions by 2050. Well, this is not right. The point is about the trajectory of the emissions reductions between now and 2050. If we leave it till 2049, the planet will fry. What? If we leave it till what? The what will fry? Leave it till 2049 the planet will fry. Jesus. What we have to do is get on with this transition immediately. Yeah, they want immediate changes. And I think the Labour Party here in the UK is going to play a big part in this. I think, don't laugh at this, but wouldn't it be interesting next year if Labour, the Labour Party, falls just short, just short, of an overall majority? Imagine Labour becomes the biggest party after the election. So it's got, it's the biggest party, but it doesn't have an overall majority. Imagine then it needs some Greens and some Lib Dems to form a coalition. It'll be full on, on steroids. You know, let's reduce our carbon emissions because if we don't, we'll all fry by 2049 or 2050. Because that's, that's how I see it going. We're going to fry, says Tony Juniper, if you don't start doing it immediately. Uh, more from him to begin the reductions pathway in 2024. That's the most important year, not 2050. And so countries coming home from Dubai, it's now really a question of re-energising the domestic commitment to get on with this. Now, the really good thing is, and as a government advisor at Natural England, I can point um, to some very good things that can come in the wake of this. 
the repair and restoration of our depleted natural environment is top of our list. Because if we repair our peatlands, if we restore the health of our agricultural soils, we can catch carbon from the atmosphere. If we repair our wetlands and woodlands, we can reduce the risk of flooding. And both of these things will have a whole range of other benefits, include beautiful places for people to enjoy improving health and well-being. So I want you to hear that again. And I want you to think, I want you to think human settlement zones in urban areas when you listen to what Tony Juniper says here. And this, I think, will begin to happen, or at least legislation will be, will be proffered by the next government, which will more than likely be a Labour majority, but might not. Don't be surprised if they slip a couple of greens in there. And this is where it's going. Of our agricultural soils, we can catch carbon from the atmosphere. If we repair our wetlands and woodlands, we can reduce the risk of flooding. And both of these things will have a whole range of other benefits, include beautiful places for people to enjoy improving health and well-being. Yeah, rewilding. They're going to designate large, large tracts of land, Monty Python supporters. They're going to... Uh, designate, yes, large swathes of land as no-go areas. That's one of the things they will definitely do. That shouldn't be new to you. People who know far more about this agenda than I do have been predicting this for many years, but there's no doubt about it now, right? Rewilding, you know, allowing the land to breathe, all of this stuff, reducing agriculture, changing your diet. And alongside all of that, other government departments will be looking at energy efficiency and the jobs that can be created there. Cleaning up the air and reducing pollution will be another health benefit. Reducing the amount you can drive, reducing the hours you can spend behind the wheel of your car, going wherever you want to autonomously. If we move to renewables and reduce our reliance on imported fossil fuels, then we can cut bills over the long term and improve our energy security. That's bullshit. Kay Birdie is very slow, by the way. She didn't put this to Juniper. He said we can reduce bills. I did the papers this morning and there was an article in two papers off Gem which is the energy company regulator, okay, Ofgem said that, in fact, the move to net zero, no matter what way you do it, is going to result in higher energy bills for people. So he's an idiot, and Kay Burley is useless for not correcting him and saying, hang on a second, the experts are saying, I know experts, uh, Ofgem is saying that, listen, it's going to cost people more money, no matter what you do. The small island states, or certainly some of them, I think, a group representing about 39 of them, felt that they were not involved in the major yes. decision-making. Is there some truth in that? The small island nations. They're using these small island nations to guilt-trip everybody else in the world. Because if we don't start changing our lives and our behaviours, eventually these small island nations will disappear under the sea, like Atlantis. Well, um, I mean, this meeting, like so many of them, it went over an extra day beyond the timetable. And at the end, the chair is trying to gavel through an agreement with 200 countries sitting in front of him. And some of them will have their flags up. And it's really literally one minute to midnight, uh, metaphorically at least. I think this was done in the afternoon, the following day after it was meant to be. And he just simply cannot take all of the interventions. And so what he will be doing is listening to groups of countries. He will have heard from the vulnerable countries who would be making their point about the existential threat posed by the uh, 1.5 degree limit not being met. But he won't be able to hear from all of them because the time is so constrained. But I wasn't there. But I have to say, these things are extremely difficult. 
And very often what happens at the end is that the gavel does come down from the chair with people still saying that they wanted to say something. And so that is not unusual. It is regrettable, of course, from the point of view of those countries in particular who are the real victims of all of this. If victims. They're the victims now of our indulgence in the West, of our carbon creation. They're the victims. Why? We do not do what's needed to hit a 1.5 degree pathway. Many countries will disappear. It's just bullshit, isn't it? Many countries will disappear if we don't if we don't keep the warming below 1.5 degrees. They'll disappear, these countries. No, they won't. Remind me, dearest of friends, remind me because I, it's been a long week. Which country were they predicting in the 70s would be underwater 10 years ago? Remind me. The liars, the climate nutters back in the 70s. They said a particular country would be underwater back in, well, they said it would be underwater by 2000, didn't they? So it's more than 10 years ago. And of course, it's not materialised because it's nonsense, this. But Christ, all their eggs are in this basket. And here's a 25-second um, clip for you about the behavioural changes. It's a woman called Lorraine Whitmarsh. Lorraine Whitmarsh is Professor of Environmental Psychology at the University of Bath. Environmental Psychology. She was on Newsnight, BBC Newsnight last night, on behavioural changes. It's certainly the case that there is a lot of debate around how we translate um, uh, national commitments to yeah. tackle climate change into concrete action. And so we're seeing um, the public are on board with a lot of the changes, actually, that we need to make. So to our lifestyles around travel, diet, consumption, um, these are the things which actually people are broadly uh, on board with. So it's it's now down to the details of some of those policies. Okay. Yeah, the details. It's a good point by this nutter. She's a nutter too, right? Environmental psychology. So it's one thing, countries coming together in Dubai and agreeing it's time to reduce the CO2 drastically now. 100%, let's get rid of it, right? It's another thing to implement policies to allow this. To allow this, okay? So what will we need to do? Change around diet, change around movement. All of this stuff is coming. All the eggs in the Great Reset basket are going to be in climate, in the opinion of this baldy broadcaster. It's just my opinion. You might want to phone me in a moment and tell me something different. Here is the phone and Skype details. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yes, there is a WhatsApp number. You can send a text to me via WhatsApp to tell me you'd like to come on, and I'll make sure you do. It is 075-659-42270. 075-659-42270. There are memes on the Facebook page and the Twitter thing for this show. And of course, I mean, are the numbers, not is the numbers, are the numbers. Yes. Davy asks a good question. Good evening, Davy. Why don't these commentators ask if climate change is such a threat? Why are people like Barack Obama and his ilk buying oceanfront apartments and houses in the most lovely spots around the world? Thank you, Davy. And Jan and Streff and Michael and Aaron, thank you for letting me know. The Maldives, yes. The Maldives will be underwater. 
and they're not. He had all of these little islanders, these island state representatives in Dubai. Oh, please, please stop enjoying yourselves in the West. Stop building cars. Stop driving around. Because if you don't, we'll be underwater. Those countries won't be underwater either. 24 minutes past the hour. The Richie Allen Show today and this week is brought to you by NutraHealth365.com. Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. Yeah, winter bugs. Look after yourself. Give yourself the best chance against them. NutraHealth365.com It is 24 and a half minutes past the hour. A couple of more news items for you and then I'll open the lines and we'll see how we get on. I think it might very well be the final phone-in of 2023. So make it a good one and be succinct and shock and amaze me with the nuggets of information you have that I don't have. Now that shouldn't be too hard to have nuggets that I don't have. Don't have too many nuggets. Right. Hang on. Okay. Saw a funny thing today. I'm, I'm, it, I don't know if... How do I say this? You know, sometimes we talk about when we feel like we're being eavesdropped. We, we feel like we're being listened to and watched. And sometimes things will show up online. Adverts will show up mysteriously. And you might have been speaking to your husband or wife or partner. Or you might have been speaking to a friend. You might have said, you know what, uh, I might, Jesus, I've never been to Amsterdam, so I might try it sometime in the spring. And you've just said this, right? You're not on the telephone. You're not on the internet. You're talking to your friend face to face. And next thing you see on your Twitter, whatever, on your face, you start seeing ads for Amsterdam. Well, I had a very funny incident today happen to me. Really funny. Like laugh out loud funny. You know how... I mentioned once or twice on this programme, I, I love Salford, but parts of Salford are fairly rough and ready, like working class folks like me, right, rough and ready, and I've compared one or two places, there's a little bit of Shameless going on, the TV show Shameless, you know, chaftastic, I'm not knocking Salford, I love Salford, right, just as I love Ballybeg and Waterford, where I grew up, very proud of it, but um, I had a laugh today, I took the dogs for a walk to Media City, and for some reason, there were kids there in school uniforms, but not like young kids, like teenagers. And as I was walking past a group of teenagers, they were looking past me to Old Trafford Football Stadium, which is across the canal. And it was a girl, she had to be about 15, and she was really hyper. And uh, she was singing something kind of um, anti-Manchester United anyway. So presumably she comes from a Manchester City family or who knows what. But she was swearing really loudly in the middle of the in the middle of the square, as people were passing by, like screaming, you know, F Man United and all of this. So I laughed as you do. I giggled, right? I couldn't help it. I giggled. This is ridiculous. Ridiculous sight to see this. Anyway, of course, she rounded on me, didn't she? And gave me a volley of F you and F off and all of this because I was laughing. What are you laughing at, you effing scumbag? And I just looked and obviously just kept walking because what else can you do? But it, it did make me, it did make me laugh. 
<laughs> Where else would you get it? Only Salford. I'm sure there are areas of inner cities in other parts of the country where you might you might imagine such a scene, but it made me laugh out loud. No idea what they were doing there. Maybe they were bunking off. And if they were bunking off, am I allowed to say fair play to them? Or will I get into trouble? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. She caught me laughing at her antics and started calling me names. It was hilarious. You effing this, you effing that. Lovely. Thank you very much, young lady. Kay said, if I had lived tens of thousands of years ago, I could have walked out of my front door down to the beach and kept on walking. Doggerland, which was once land, now under the North Sea. What caused this? Not human activity for sure, says Kay. Yeah, why don't we do what the Dutch did? in any case, and reclaim land. Uh, rather than be worried about the sea encroaching and chipping away at the cliffs and, you know, having to decommission towns, why don't we just in- embark on a big land reclaim scheme from the sea? I don't know. We're not flat enough to do it, are we? I have no idea. Hi to Zach. Hello, Zach. Yes, my friend, it was the Maldives meant to be underwater, and I've gone on Google Earth, and it's still there, amazingly. BBC reported this, said Tim, but they're still building hotels there. Hi to Leslie, hi to Anthony. Anthony asks, have you seen the Sky story about cyber attacks? It seems this will be their new COVID with CBDCs coming after, maybe. See, Anthony, that's a good shout. If you wanted to expedite the introduction of central bank digital currencies, if you wanted to hurry that agenda along, a massive cyber attack, yes, That's a possibility, but I'm reticent always to say these things out loud because I don't want to scare people. I I know that sounds stupid, doesn't it, and counterproductive because if it happens, you know, but there's so much fear pouring around. And really, while we can predict what they want, we we know the world they want, we know the planet they want, the the roundy planet, I'm winding you up now, we know the world they want, so, but, 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 how how they get there and what they choose to do is is still up in the air. I think the climate thing is a major, major thing for them going, um, you know, looking into the next three to four years. Chris reckons the Maldives, in fact, increased its land mass in that particular time. That's very interesting. That is very interesting. Right, let's do another story. Five minutes, I'm taking your telephone calls. Just a quick story. I found this interesting today. I mentioned it on the Papers podcast. Um, Students can make provocative remarks if they do not break the law. And that's according to the new free speech on campus watchdog. The Director for Academic Freedom of Speech at the Office for Students. It's a guy called Arif Ahmed. He said that universities and colleges in England that infringed the rights to expression of individuals would face fines under the new complaints process. Now, Nick Robinson of BBC Radio 4 spoke to Arif Arif Ahmad this morning about this. You will hear the presenter, Robinson, first. One of the cases that in many ways got this argument, this debate going, was the case of the academic Kathleen Stock, forced out of her post at the University of Sussex after allegations she was transphobic. It's a past case, but imagine a case of that sort came to you now, and let's theorise, do a hypothetical, and you decided there was a problem. What would be open to you? What would be open to this uh, new unit at the Office for Students to do 
in order to support an academic in that sort of position. Thanks. The first thing I want to say, and I do want to stress, is that we will take an absolutely impartial approach to all of these questions. So it's nothing to do with politics, nothing to do with defending one side or another on the political spectrum. It is entirely, it's crucial for free speech, this is so, that we do this in a neutral way. What we will do, we will investigate and we will do it quickly. We will do it, we're required to do it as soon as reasonably practicable. If we find that there's been a breach, if we find that a university hasn't, or a student's union hasn't taken steps to uphold freedom of speech, uh, then we will take action. And that will mean we'll make recommendations, and this may include the payment of money, for instance, by the university or the student's but union. But if, as in this case, she's been driven out of her job, she's been forced to leave, the fact the university's fined... It's not going to make a lot of difference, is it? Is there anything else you might be able to do at the beginning of that sort of row in which somebody's being told that their views are unacceptable by a body of students? What could you do? I'm absolutely not going to comment on an ongoing case, so I can't say anything about that. No, but I mean, in theory, case. what could you do? But yeah, so there's, there's a range of things that are available. Are there are other sanctions. There are a range of, yes, a range of powers. So we have a wide range of regulatory powers, and these will be enhanced with the forthcoming, um, uh, coming into force of another aspect of this Freedom of Speech Act, so such September as, 25. what you do? So for, at that point, there are registration conditions. So for instance, the Office of Students has powers over registration conditions. It can fine, it can, uh, have, it can uh, publicise universities and colleges and students' unions. So there's, there's so a range of things shame, that we can fine. fine. I'm not clear what you mean by well, registration Well, so I'm conditions. sorry, yes. Registration conditions means that the, the Office of Students ultimately has, has powers over, and this is obviously part of what how we regulate universities and other aspects as well. We have powers over whether they are registered as higher education. So, well, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating, won't it, if this particular czar, this government czar, will be able to kick the bollocks out of universities and students when they infringe upon the rights of people to speak their mind, Kathleen Stock or otherwise. You're listening to the Richie Allen Show, Thursday's programme. I'm going to take your calls in a moment. Why don't you send me a message to WhatsApp to let me know you'd like to come on? The WhatsApp number is 075-659-42270. Grab a pen. I'll say it again. Say it again. Say it again. 075-659-42270. But the old-fashioned way, you can call me on the phone or you can Skype me. God loves Skype, eh? It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. I can't wait to chat with you. So pick up the old phone and get in touch with me. It's your Richie Allen show for Thursday, the 14th of December 2023, then. Yeah, ladies' man Lenny Kravitz on the Richie Allen Show. 23 and one half minutes to the top of the hour. It's the phone-in show, and Mick is first in. Hello, Mick. How are you, pal? Hello, Richie. How you doing? I'm not too shabby. Mick, did we speak before? No, no. First-time caller. I'm delighted, mate. Where, where are you calling from? I'm calling from County Armagh. County Armagh. I love yeah. Armagh. Do you know, I used to travel quite a bit in the in the six counties. Back in the day, yeah. it's the only thing I really miss about Ireland is the six counties, you know that. Honest <laughs> to God, the six counties Here, are crap. Waterf- Waterford City is not a bad city. It's not a bad spot, no, but I love being, I, I used to go to the north when it was a bit dicey, you know, when you had to be <laughs> careful about certain people hearing your accent, you know, Mexicans like yeah. me. But um, thank God things are certainly a bit different there. Mick, um, plenty of time, pal. Welcome. Um, 5G you. is on your mind. 
Yeah, it is actually. Um, would you believe it, Richie? About four o'clock this afternoon, uh, the post arrived here late as usual, and I got a letter from Armagh City, Banbridge and Craig Avonborough Council in relation to a proposed 5G mask, mask, mast, should I say, which yeah. was 300, which was proposed to be built 352 yards from a primary school. Um, so uh, it was my wife's uh, uncle that made me aware of this. Um, let's say he'd be pretty wide awake about some of the things that are going on at present. And he advised me to write to the council saying that uh, I wished, you know, I wish to, I wish them to consider that this mast shouldn't be built. And my wife also wrote to them, and uh, my son wrote, and I got a letter this morning or this afternoon to say that the mast has been declined, refused permission. Brilliant, Mick. I yeah. mean, this is brilliant, brilliant, and it's down to you suggesting to them that it wasn't a good idea. You reckon? Well, me and everybody else that uh, that probably wrote in to uh, Armagh City, Banbridge and Craig Allen Council. Uh, so that filled me with great uh, cheer, uh, Richie, on the mouth of Christmas. Now, obviously, there is a Planning Appeals Commission, uh, so they do have the right to uh, appeal the fact that permission has been refused. So it's probably an ongoing case. but. The reason I, I felt so good about it was I know you had two ladies on maybe four or five weeks ago, might have been a, bit, a little bit longer, and they were talking about the erection of a 5G mask uh, mask close to uh, a primary school. Or That's a school. right. Uh, yeah, and they had really they had, they were going to take a, a case against the council, if I'm correct, and they had to give that up because they couldn't get the funding. Uh, but in this case, uh, it's been a little bit of people power that has, well, probably stopped it initially, but who knows what will happen at appeal stage. But that's brilliant news, though. That's joyous news, yeah. really, isn't it? It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And now, forgive me, Mick, if you said this already, which company yeah. applied for the rights to erect the mast? Yeah, it, it actually doesn't say... Um, it, it, it just says the proposal is the erection of a 5G 20 metre high high street pole mast, then it gives the colour of it, associated ancillary equipment and associated works. But it doesn't, it, it certainly in this letter, uh, it doesn't indicate who the company were. I'm, I'm sure it'd be easy enough to find out. Yeah, you, we, we had Karen Churchill on, didn't we? Karen yes. was one of the, the ladies. Um, we had Kate Moore on another time in Julia Burgess. I think the, those are the two ladies. Yeah, yeah, Kate and Julia. Yeah, I'm racking my brains here because um, you get so many people on the show during the year. But this this is a a hugely important issue because, in fact, I had an email the other day from a gentleman I interviewed about 15 years ago, Professor mm -hmm. Ole Johansson from Sweden. You'll have heard of Ole, um, yep. and he, brilliant guy. And he he was blowing the whistle on the dangers of this radiation back in. In the, in, in the late 90s, when, when mobiles were, were all the rage. And the reason we're concerned about it, and I'm guessing you're concerned about it, Mick, is because the, the thinner the skull, and children's skulls are not fully developed, the more yes. susceptible they are, their brains are, to this technology, right? Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, that area, that particular area, is a residential area as well, Richie. You know, it's not as if it's... 
you know, two miles out of town. I just, I don't understand why there is this, you know, insistence that these 5G uh, poles uh, or masts have to be so close to schools or in residential areas. I just don't get that. And even and even near hospitals, because you, you might have heard yeah. me mention before, the our house is basically adjoins Salford Hospital, Salford Royal Infirmary, Salford Royal Hospital, excuse yeah. me. And yeah, they've got a massive mast over there. Now, it's there, there's a lot between it and, and us. And around the corner, there are lots of schools in the Weast area and and the Swinton area. And there are there are a couple of these m- massive 5G masts as well. And the thing about it is, you're right to ask the question, why put them near schools? But also, they they have not... I don't know who said it to me on the show. Was it Rima Labo? I think it was Rima. She chastised me about two years ago because I was doing my devil's advocate thing, Mick. And I said to her, well, listen, connectivity is much quicker and you can download things much quicker. And she snapped at me and she said, you can't. There's no evidence. And I've tried dozens of times to prove her wrong. And she's right. 5G does not mean that you get quicker information downloaded to your phone than you did with 4G. It's a nonsense as as far as my experience goes, Mick. So, so what's the point of it? Yeah, what is the point of it? Yeah, mm-hmm. harm yeah. maybe, harm. Yeah, but, it, but this knows? is great. You, you've got to let us know now because obviously you'll be yeah. watching very closely for any news about the appeal. And when they appeal, is that something that's done in public? in front of the committee. Uh, I'm just reading from the letter. It says, please note that applicants may appeal to the Planning Appeals Commission against any of this uh, any of this decision or a condition of the decision. If an appeal is received, the commission will advertise its receipt in the local press and will also ask the council to provide it with the relevant application documents, including copies of any representations received, which will be made available to all parties at the appeal. That was the final paragraph in that two-page letter. You, you mentioned earlier, thanks for that, Mick, you yeah. mentioned earlier that, so you and you know you and and your wife so you said well, we've got to write yep. a letter um yeah. and but you said there must have been other letters so has anybody attempted to kind of try and are you trying to locate people who think like you because it would be good to get a group of people together wouldn't it it would and i'm not quite sure whether there was any local pro t- it, the the that particular mast is is probably about 2 miles from where i currently live um, I don't know whether there was any protests, you know, uh, in relation to that mast or whether it was just people got together in, in whatever capacity and decided to start writing letters. And, and to be honest with you, I'm sure I used a template, but for the life of me, I can't remember who sent me the template to use in order to uh, ask them, you know, to, uh, to refuse permission in relation to that particular mast. Well, listen, Mick, thanks very much for sharing that with us. That's brilliant. Very well done to everybody involved. And yep. um, uh, are you looking forward to Christmas before I take another call? Are you looking forward to the break? A couple of beers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm off to Cork City next week, just before Christmas, for a couple of nights. Going to see the Frank and Walters. Fantastic. I'm sure you've heard of the Frank and yeah, Walters. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll dig out one of their yeah. tracks. I'll dig out one of their songs uh, today before we finish the show. Good show. Yeah. A couple of days in Cork. Um, what about? A couple of days in Cork, and then Christmas Day, all the families here. Uh, Boxing Day, mum and dad's here, and I'm off 
from next Wednesday until the 2nd of January. But like yourself, Richie. Fantastic. Mick, yeah. thanks for the call, buddy. Um, what's your Not wife? At all. What's happy your, Christmas, Richie. And, and many happy returns. What's your wife's name? Tracy. Tracy, happy Christmas if you're listening and great job on the mast. And do keep us posted, mate. Come back and tell us when there's news. Well, indeed, Richie. Good speaking to you. You too, Mick. The pleasure was mine. Thank you, Mick. Mick is in Armagh. Brilliant news, that. Very good. Yeah, the locals, well, Mick for sure anyway, and Tracy said, no, not having that. We're not having a mast, not uh, so close to a school. And the council got back to them, the local authority, and said, well, okay then, we won't give permission for the erection of the mast. Um, In the meantime, as Mick said, the company which um, sought permission has appealed, so it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Adita is next up. Hello, Adita. I hope I pronounced that correctly, by the way. How are you? Hello. Can you hear me, Richie? I can hear you loud and clear. Is it? Did I pronounce it right? Is it Adita? You did, yeah. That's very good. Fine. Yeah, Adita. Just yeah. A, just a well blo- done. Just a guess, Adita. That's all it was. Listen, lovely to meet you. Where, where are you calling from? I'm in Surrey. You're in lovely Surrey. Dance staff. <laughs> Yeah, down south. Yeah, so sorry. And um, um, I'm, I'm, I've been your fan and a listener since since the COVID. And funnily enough, actually, your um, your show or your name popped up on my Facebook feed. So on that day, the algorithm <laughs> must have got it all wrong. Because as we know, lots of people are being shadow banned. Yeah. And this is before your show got taken down or at least, um, you know, you were still on YouTube then as well. Right. So um, it just came up and that's how I um, started listening. Obviously, you've been doing a show for, for longer than that. But during the COVID, that's how I came across your your radio show. And I've been been a fan since. So, yeah, well, you've got a brilliant sense of humour. Well, thanks very much. Going. Well, it's really nice of you to say so. Now, I'm fascinated by, by, by two things there. Um, well, by one, really, so it shows up on your feed. But the fact is, you chose to click on it. Now, I find that interesting because <laughs> thousands of things, you know, when I used to use, when I used to have time to use Facebook, Editor, mm. regularly, like lots of things, even years ago, would flash up, but I wouldn't, like, click on them. So... Why do you, is it the curiosity thing with you, or was it that you were so fed up um, at the time with the news that you were yeah. looking for something? Yeah, do you know what? I can't remember whether it was uh, whether it actually mentioned the fact that you uh, you do a radio show. I, I I can't remember. It was something to do with COVID, and it was um, it was quite early on. It was when when we 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 sort of started questioning it almost straight away. Um, we were very very uh, suspicious of the whole thing. Um, so, um, that the information was coming, you know, dripping in sort of slowly, like that, that there were people that were speaking up and stuff and it kind of happened around the same time. So it was very early on and, um, and it must've been maybe one of your articles, maybe, I, I don't know, it was something to do with COVID and that, that it was, it was a farce and then that's how I clicked on it. Um. But um, a lot of the things, obviously, that you've been discussing, I, I, I was meaning, if I had time, I would call you probably every other week because most of the topics that you've been talking about, uh, I can relate to. So, yeah, um, yeah there's, there's, there's a lot I can talk about. But I especially recently really wanted to talk about the, um, uh, the porn problem with the youngsters because we've got children. 
and um, our 11-year-old uh, has been exposed to it this week, literally, I've been going through it since Monday. And we've got all the restrictions in place. We've got everything. He hasn't got a phone. We um, we set all the parental blocks on everything that we have at home. And then he goes to a friend's house. And then that's where he gets exposed to it. But not that he just gets exposed to it. He um, He's also then made aware of a website, uh, which is like a chat room website. Uh, and I never heard of it. I, I've heard of, because I listened to, is it Melissa Kamei? Melissa, yeah, Melissa? yeah, 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 yeah. So she's she's brilliant. Um, I listen to her. <laughs> she's very passionate about what she's doing. So I always note everything that she says about um, all the all the bypassing that people can do and and how we need to keep up with it because it just goes everything you know like comes on too fast. So I, I'm not very tech savvy. So I, I, as much as I can, I think I've got it all under control at home. But then um, there, there is the Omega website or the chat room, which got taken down. I think she mentioned it. And I wasn't familiar with that either. All I know is that you could go on it, click on it, click on the uh, enter. You can say that you're 18 and then you're in. And then you can choose whether you video call or you do um, just the chat. Um, on, on that and then um, that apparently has been taken down but then there is a new one which is called Yongi and obviously if you type that in it doesn't have the word porn in it it doesn't have the word boobs it doesn't have the word penis so it goes straight I, I could log into it so if you type in porn in my phone on the webs on on the computer it, it will not let you because we've got those blocks in place but uh, that I could go straight in. And then all you have to do is you have to click that you're 18, which the boys did. Uh, so and my they're son's in. 11. And they're straight and in. They're in. And they're in. And the strangers on the other side of the webcam masturbating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I, and I do yeah, mean I that. Oh, my God. And again, yeah. when I first heard about this a few years ago, I didn't want to believe it. When the paedophile hunters were were talking to me about this, how, how, how easy yeah. it is. That's it that's is amazing. So so here it is. So so on the one hand, then you get a guy like me, and I I kick off and I say, well, if they bring in all of these restrictions where you have to prove uh, your yeah. age, so so I, I kick uh, off about that. But at the same time, I think if I was in your position, the mother of an eleven-year-old, I might mm. I might embrace new new rules to make it more difficult for kids to see this stuff. And have you spoken to your eleven-year-old about it? And what does he say yeah. when you tell him it's dangerous? Um, I think they're naive, Richie. I think they're naive. They think they're behind a screen and it's just a bit of fun and uh, they just have a giggle and that's it. They don't realize obviously can lead on to other stuff and yeah. curious, curiosity is there. Um, so they, they would probably do it again. Not, not um, that I'm aware of. It was, it was caught quite early. So it happened this week and we then went on to speak to the headmistress, um, me and the other mum. And I even mentioned Melissa's um, website and her name. She jotted it down and she's straight on it. She was she, she was very good, I must say. I do like our, our headmistress. And nice. she is putting extra measures in place. There's going to be an extra talk. There's going to be, you know, safety, guard, safeguarding uh, meeting, which is going to be virtual as well in person. But I've been to few of those before and like melissa said there was three of us 
you know, the school has got 400 pupils and it would be three of us sitting there. Um, and it just makes you wonder, you know, how, how, how people are not aware. Um, because I, I was aware and, and my children are not allowed to, to have any, um, any kind of access to social media until they're, they're our age where I think it's appropriate. So, how do you, how do you manage that? Because I guess it's not, it's not as simple as saying to the children, right, you don't have a social media account, you're not getting a TikTok account. I guess it's not as straightforward as that. I mean, was there some resistance from the, the youngsters? Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, to put it mildly, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest, until they were secondary age, so until they got to secondary school, um, it was fairly easy. Um, they had access to it here on a computer. They could do stuff on a computer, but I... I they had those restrictions in place and I could see what they were doing. Um, um, 14-year-old, 15-year-old um, daughter, she she's okay with the restrictions. She asked me whether she can download Snapchat. First time I said no, that was when she was 14. And then six months down the line, she said, please, I promise I'm not going to do anything. It's a bit of a trust thing where I, okay, I'll I kind of assume that she knows now what she's doing. We've had those chats. We, we, we talked about the vulnerability and, and all that. And she, she agreed that she would tell me if something inappropriate happened. So um, then I, then I said, yes, but we've got um, an app, which has got um, a family link. And that, that will, um, that shows me what she's been on, not exactly the conversations and things like that, but it will show me how long and what websites and, and apps she's been on. And she has to, anything she, before she downloads, she needs to ask me whether that's okay. Um, and most of the stuff she asks for is appropriate. So there's a, there's a difference between someone like her, who's quite sensible. And then you've got, um, her older brother who used to try to, to, to go around all those restrictions so much so that he would bring home a phone from somebody else. And I didn't realize that for ages that he was actually, he had someone's old iPhone hand-me-down and he was going on that um i can understand this so they do try they do try <laughs> i can understand yeah. this because i i'm i'm obviously yeah. i'm nearly 50 but i remember being a teenager and i yeah. i remember finding um i remember finding an old paperback book no photographs now just a paperback book and yeah. it was about it was about a famous madam called Xaviera hollander who um older listeners right. might remember Xaviera. And she was famous for traveling around um, Monaco and places like that and taking part in, I'm not going to say it because children might be listening, but sexual activity that was fairly no holds barred, not violent now. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine being a 13 year old kid finding this book, you know, yeah. it's fantastic, you know. Yeah. So then, so then you're, yeah. you know, it's, it's brilliant. So then you're looking for anything else. So I can understand that desire to find stuff and the kids getting around the parental controls you sound fairly shook mm -hmm. up at the experience that your 11 year old has had i mean you th it sounds like you think you might have had a narrow escape there he might have had yeah yeah i i to, to, to be honest we we're not prudent or anything so we talk about things but age appropriate yeah. so things that 11 year old you know you you, you guess should know and um and then I, I, I know there's curiosity there and they want to know. And then they've just done the, the, um, the, the educational stuff at school. I can't remember now what it's called, but they have done those. And, I, and again, I'm usually the only parent that goes and watches the videos before they, they show it to the kids. Oh, that's great. So um, you, so you go in and you say, right, I want to see this stuff first before my yeah. kid sees it. 
Right, and they allowed yeah. this because you said the headmistress is a good lady, so she's happy yeah. to see the material. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they send an email beforehand and they actually tell the parents, look, this is your opportunity if you want to come and watch it. We'll watch it for you um, this day at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And if that's not good, then then let me know and we can do it another time. Yeah, they, they are very good. That's really, really... Like that, but there's nothing to hide. Really impressive that, <laughs> um, Adita, isn't it? Because we've heard... Mm. We've heard we, like yeah, we've, we've yeah. read in the papers about parents who are not allowed to see the materials. So there's another, mm. there's mm. another aspect to this which I find fascinating. It's a real minefield for you because the last thing in the world you want to do is to embarrass the 11-year-old. I mean, when I was 11 or 12, mm. if mum, you know, if I thought mum had found out that I was looking at what we would have called, you know, a nudie book or or something like that, I would have been mortified. So you have to tread really carefully, don't you? Because on the one hand, you have to yeah. protect them and say, right, this is um, something that you need to be careful about. But on the other hand, you don't want him to, you don't want to imply to him that there's something wrong with sexual curiosity because mm. there isn't. So mm. how do you yeah, manage yeah, that? No, that's, yeah. that's a bloody minefield, right? Uh, and the knee-jerk reaction was to, to be angry. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, um, yeah, and then I had to apologize for, because he is not, again, like you say, it's not his fault. It's, it was shown to him. He wasn't seeking it out. And like you say, if you, at that age, I remember, maybe not 11, but I do remember it being <laughs> handed around. It was some kind of Playboy magazine. Yeah. And then we were like, wow, it's probably the first time we saw a, an adult person naked. Um, and you are curious and you have a look, um, but then you don't seek anymore. You've seen that stuff. There's nothing more to see. Um, and I wouldn't actually mind that if he, if he, if they were flicking through a magazine and saw naked women, I think, okay, fine. Um, but it's the hardcore stuff that they have seen. It's almost like you throw a child that can't swim into a deep end. Yeah. And then how do you unsee what you've seen? And that's going to take a little while off. And also we need to talk to him in a way that he's still only 11 year old. So of course, I've yeah, tried yeah. to dissect it that, that what he's seen was, was abhorrent and was wrong. And it, but and not it's not how... in it, but wrong what, what people are making and that it's an industry. And it's just, it's so age inappropriate that it's almost difficult to explain to him that, that, what what the whole porn industry is and what it can yeah. do to a child, what it can do to, yeah. So I can't imagine. I, what, I, I think. Uh, yeah, just not, not to cut across you, but no. yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to him seeing that right. violent stuff and you having to explain to him that this is this isn't the way it works. This is not you know how <laughs> how adults you know, are romantic together in a consensual relationship. This is not how it is. Mm -hmm. This is crazy mm -hmm. stuff. And um, but he has seen it. Have you spoken to the mum and dad of the other boy where where he did see it? Are they aware of it too? They are. Yeah, they they are good friends. They're good so mates. the boys, um, good mates. They were having a sleepover, and that's when it happened. So, yeah, we have spoken, and we 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 went together to see the headmistress, and um, um, the material came from another boy that is not in their school. So it's doing its rounds around the kind of age group um, and the, the web chat group thing that, that the website that has, uh, that apparently that that's been shared by another girl that goes in like the, the, the school. So they're, they're, 
the, the friendship group, they're not actually friends, friends, but it, it's doing its rounds in that year group. So they're all year six and they just happen to show it to each other. And then that's how it sort of became to be. But I have never heard of it. As I said, I, I heard of Omegle. Uh, I, I recall having an email from one of the secondary schools warning us about this. So I, I remember kind of, yeah, okay, um, having a look at it and I, I knew about it, but because they don't have phones, uh, I thought, well, to have that, they would have to download the app and I would know about it. So I'm not going to worry about it too much. Uh, and I, and I, when, when you had Melissa on, I heard her say that that's been now taken down and I thought, great. Um, but, um, never heard of this other one, which seems to be identical. So there's probably more that we don't know of. And the spooky <laughs> and maybe thing. It's good that parents know. And indeed, the spooky yeah. thing, just before I take another call, the spooky thing about this sure. is, I shouldn't say spooky, it's it's horrible, is that on these apps, they can communicate with perfect strangers um, at, the yeah. click, at the click of a button. And on the yeah. other end of that call um, might be, um, to, 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 to your son's belief or to his friend's belief or to their knowledge might be a pretty 13-year-old girl who wants to have a bit of fun and talk dirty. But, oh, in, yeah, but in yeah. fact, it isn't. It, yeah, it isn't. It's definitely. a 50-year-old man. Because when we ask them, yeah, yeah, yeah. when we ask them, who, who did you chat to? Because they obviously did try that uh, and apparently chatted to quite a few people. They said, oh, it was only like 18-year-olds and 15-year-olds. And they believed that. Is that on the other side you can you can put in whatever you like. So yeah, you are a girl, you are fifteen, sixteen, eighteen, and then they 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 find that interesting. So they will go, oh, I'm going to speak to this fifteen year old, but you don't know who's on the other side. And, and obviously, we need to do a bit more um, education <laughs> because I thought we had it under control, and we clearly don't. And no matter how much we talk to them about the internet safety, is never enough. That's no. maybe what I my reason for calling is. There are parents out there like me. They think they've got it all under control, and we don't. Um, and and we need to keep educating ourselves daily about all these websites and 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 dangers. Well so said. I'm aware well, Adita, it, it, well said. You might give Marilyn Hawes uh, freedom hyphen abuse dot um, mm-hmm. co dot uk. Um, Marilyn is um, is someone to talk to on that, um, and she'd talk to you privately, and might be somebody who might come around and speak to the school. But um, it's obviously huge, and I don't understand because I don't have children. But um, thanks very much for telling us about it. Um, I'd like to hear more about it in the future. I'd like to hear how it goes. You know what the school does and um, the measures that you take because. Um, I mean, it's perfect really speaking to you because he's 11, you've caught it early, you're trying to talk to him about it without, you know, stepping on his natural curiosities about women and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's a real minefield. So just um, thanks for coming on today. Really important stuff. And I appreciate your call, Adita. Thank you, Richie. Thank you. You'll probably hear from me again. As I said, there's quite a few topics I would like to talk no, to you about. No, you're welcome. But, Look, I'll, um, I'll save. I'll I'm save usually you. cooking when your show is on, so I don't normally have time, but I um, unchained myself from the kitchen today. You're unchained. <laughs> Come and talk to you. I'm unchained. It. I have to go back now, but yeah, <laughs> it's usually that time. Your, your four to six is actually better, it's but I'm still cooking, better. so... I just don't have time. I, I listen, if not on catch up, now on live, I, I do listen a lot and it just cheers me up. You've got such a brilliant sense of humour. Um, I, I just giggle. <laughs> giggle well, thank God someone finds it funny. Yeah, Edita, thanks, thanks for thanks. that. Can I wish you and your family a thanks Merry Christmas? 
Any time. Thank you. Same to yours. And bye for now. The brilliant Adita in Surrey. Fantastic call there. Um, finding out that her son was accessing some pretty nasty stuff online and also accessing chat rooms, which could be very dangerous for him, and dealing with it and dealing with the school. I'm giving you the contact details. We have a caller waiting patiently on the other line. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with, please? Oh, hi there. It's, it's Rob, R- Robbie. Hello, Robbie. Where are you calling from, mate? Uh, I'm in Scotland. Which part of Scotland? It's a large country. Well, large uh, Near Stirling. You're near Stirling. I think we might have spoken a long time ago. Welcome, yeah. Robbie. Yeah. Welcome, Pav. What would you like Hi. to say? Hi. Oh, I was. I was just um, when I was listening to your with John Waters, um, and he had the court case with Gemma Doherty. With Gemma, that's um, right. They challenged the constitutionality of yeah. the lockdown in Ireland. That's right. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering if you ever get Gemma on. Um, because I've, I've been watching a few of her things. And uh, she, she, she has uh, big doubts about the, the, the Holocaust. In terms you know, of always... what, what sort of doubts, Robbie? Well, there's no gas chambers. Where did it happen? Um, you know, the fact that they've got records of, uh, like, Auschwitz and uh, the, the the Germans had a... They were very um, well organised with, with labour and... Uh, you know, the apprentices, Germany's famous for it. And they were given two-hour breaks when they were given food to make sure they got work out of them. It was a munitions factory. The 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 evidence for gas chambers isn't there. And you know how you say people are pretty cowardly about the the Holocaust and they'll never give their name and things. She'd, she'd be a good guest. I've interviewed um, Holocaust deniers in the past, Robbie, to be honest, and when I've interviewed them, they haven't done very well. And I don't say that now to be a tough guy. I'm not a tough guy. But when I've challenged them and put counterpoints to them, they don't have any answers, really. Most of them have never been to the concentration camps in question. And when you bring up the Nuremberg trials to them and you bring up the sworn statements of SS officers and people who lived in towns like Dachau, they don't have any answers. The yeah. it is my but, it is my uh, belief. Uh, well, um, well, that's why you should get Gemma on because she's got a lot of answers to these questions, especially um, you know the, the Auschwitz it, it claimed there was four and a half million killed there, and then they changed it to one and a half million. You don't. It's very hard to know exactly where it was meant to be, and also the Nuremberg evidence. A lot of those um, confessions were under torture. But see, them, but see, that's them, but but but, but, but Nazis, they, they claim to be in Berlin when they're in Paris and and all these sort of things. But that's not an evidence; that's conjecture, Robbie. Again, I've I've heard all of these no, arguments no, well, the over the years. There's 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 SS officers. They've all, the but what about the guy who said there's only two hundred seventy thousand killed in all their camps? That's over four hundred camps when you total it up, and that was um, Gorbachev that released that. See, for me, it's Stalin, Stalin that came up with this idea. And I, I don't know why Stalin is so trusted. 
because I mean I don't know why Hitler is is seen as the great evil guy when Stalin killed far more than what they allege uh, Hitler to kill. And and that's another funny thing about the Second World War. Everybody loved Hitler until they turned on him. He was the guy who was going to fight the the Soviets, and he did. And he even had 300,000 British army on the beach, and he wouldn't kill them. He let them go home. You know what I mean? It's like, what do we really know the truth about that Second World War? And is this... But another thing, my mum and well, Robbie, dad... Let, let me in, let me in, let me in, let me in. Sure, you, sure, you, sure. you could ask the question legitimately, what do we really know about any historic event? Of course, I, I don't believe that any period in history should be exempt from revision. Um, I, of course I don't. I've never said that. I've never said that people shouldn't look back. Listen, I went on the record a few years back and I talked about the numbers. Um, six million has always seemed like an amazingly high number to me. Now, I, I've never said that six million people didn't die because I don't know that. Um, it could have been eight million. It could have been four. I don't know. I've talked on the record about some of the claims made afterwards. You know, some of the crazy claims about how Jews were killed and their skin was made into lampshades and a lot of these crazy stories which came out afterwards which turned out not to be true. Um, yeah. So, so, so I, I'm, I'm open for any theory to be looked at. But my contention is, and as I said to Kevin Barrett on this programme the other night, and I'll say it here again, I don't take my instructions and in what to think about any period of history from a lecturer, uh, from an author, from a teacher, from a YouTube video. I make my own mind up. And what I believe to be absolutely true, and it wasn't the first time it happened, um, Jews were scapegoated in Nazi Germany. The final solution was a genuine attempt by the by the German establishment to kill as many Jews as they possibly could. I'm I'm open all day to talk about the methodology of that and how it would have worked and how it didn't work. Um, but but I'm often curious about people like Gemma O'Doherty, who was all in with Donald Trump, which is one of the reasons I kind of lost interest in Gemma O'Doherty. To be honest, I mean I would have interviewed her a few times at the beginning of the scandemic, and I'm, I am in no way criticising this woman at all. I am not. But I lost interest um, because I, I, saw, I saw a very... If I say this, I'll be hammered. So, so maybe I'll say it. To me, going all in with Donald Trump, somebody like Gemma O'Doherty probably knew better. And that, to me, looked like a very cynical attempt to acquire followers and to acquire an audience for podcasts. Gemma O'Doherty must have known that Donald Trump was a world-class bullshitter. Must have known. And yet went all in on him. And now Gemma O'Doherty, you're and I don't know this because I don't follow Gemma O'Doherty, now you're telling me that she's out there saying the Holocaust never happened. Again, I'd have to wonder why. Why jumping from one well, you know, to, to another? To I mean, there's, a, there's an abundance I mean, of evidence that the Germans, the, that the Nazis murdered Jews in great numbers. There's an abundance of evidence to support that. In my opinion. But has Gemma O'Doherty been to Auschwitz or to Treblinka or to Dachau? You could go to Disneyland. It doesn't mean that Mickey Mouse is real. No, but I might be more inclined to listen to somebody if they actually did go to Disneyland. But what about the guy who went to Auschwitz and he saw his own parents there? And he saw the four holes cut in the ceiling. I mean, they claim that the, the shower block is the gas chamber and it's not even airtight. 
Robbie, I'm not. I mean, I'm not insult. I'm not. Ins- I'm not insulting your intelligence when I say I don't know what you're referring to. You're throwing stories so at me there, like the fellow who went to see his parents. Blocks. I have no idea who that is. But when I was, did you see the shower blocks? Yes, I did. Yeah, I've been. I've been to two. I've been to Auschwitz and Dachau. Yes. Yeah. Did you Did you see the shower blocks? I'm. I'm. I'm pretty sure. Um, That's where they claim they were. It's a long time ago. Um, they took us to where they were gassed and they showed us the ovens. Yes. By the way, by the way, they have incinerators in these places. Let, let me but, let me let me just I mean, say that's not, really, that's not really proof of gas chambers. Let, let me let me just say, but but it's not it's not proof that there were no gas chambers. You see, yeah, but it, where it, did they go though? Listen, I mean, you need tens of thousands every day to die to get these numbers. Now that's where. And why would they get the time for that when they were fighting it, twenty? It, if you let me, res- if you let me, Robbie, if you let me respond to that, uh, sure. yes, no, I'm not saying I agree with what you said, but again, I said it earlier on. I am wide open to others if others want to do that to have a look at the methodology. Um, mainstream journalists have asked questions about how they could have gassed and burned so many. Um, Kevin Myers was one years ago, and Kevin was never called a Holocaust denier, the Irish journalist, he asked about, uh, it was Kevin's contention that most Jews were machine gunned to death or hung as opposed to being gassed. But because maybe they couldn't have, for, for those who say they couldn't have gassed all of those people, I say, well, it doesn't mean they didn't gas some people. Yeah, but I mean, the, there's no evidence for the gas chambers. And they even said they did it in the back of trucks for a while. And then when they found out there were diesel trucks, that wouldn't have killed them. Where Where is she getting this stuff from? I'm guessing it's Fred Leuchter, right? And people like that. Maybe. It's a long time since I looked in here. But there's, yeah. there's still people going around. I mean, there's, there's a... And Robbie, there's can a I ask you this? Thought, Robbie, let me ask you. Ja- let, Robbie, let me ask you. jailing people who deny it. That's well, a I, weird thing as well. Well, I don't agree with I mean, people being jailed for denying anything. I think it's preposterous. And, and um, the woman that we jailed, uh, Haverbach or something, the German lady, um, she lived through the war. She's 95 now, and they put her in jail. And it's, she said, but how can I be called a denier? I don't believe the evidence. That's basically it. Yeah, labelling people as deniers and then jailing them is preposterous. I want to answer one comment here from an idiot called Robert Retard. Uh, he says, Gemma has zero time for Trump. Um, you're full of crap. Whatever Gemma O'Doherty is saying today, go back to 2016 and 2017 and look at the fangirl love that Gemma O'Doherty professed for Donald Trump. I, see, I have a long yeah. memory, me. There's a guy trying to yeah, claim yeah. on on online yeah, that but the fact is, but no, 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 but but Doherty made her name uh, in Ireland in the mainstream media doing doing some excellent investigative jur- journalism. It must be said, um, when Gemma Doherty was serious, she was an investigative journalist and a very good one. When I lost interest yeah. in her was when she went all in with Donald Trump, and uh, yeah, I knew, yeah, I knew yeah, in my heart of hearts that she knew different. I don't really know. I mean, she went to the hospitals doing the. Covid stuff as well. And yeah, but jumping, yeah, jumping so from one conspiracy to another, and then declaring the Holocaust never happened—I just don't get that. And I'll tell you what I will accuse: not her, but but it, it's possible that people like her do a great disservice to others who are trying to raise awareness about very serious issues like migration in Ireland. People who are trying to raise issues about um, um, 
the, the many other problems Ireland has at the moment, right? Let, let's say illegal immigration. And then she's, yeah. all, she's all over this, apparently. And then all of a sudden she's saying the Holocaust never happened, making it very easy for the establishment in Ireland no, to, right. call, to, to, call, to call everybody, you know, far right or, 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 or to dismiss people. And well, you're just with that nutcase Holocaust denier. You see, this is how it works. Robbie, I've been around the block a long no, but time. A, but, I mean, well, there, there's other evidence. I mean, Ch- Churchill never mentioned it, and he wrote that whole giant book about World War II. Same with um, De Gaulle and, and all them. And my parents lived through the war. The first time they heard about the gas chambers was 1979, World War II in colour. Because I asked them, it was, I said, did you know about this when the war was going on? And they said no. See the problem I have, Robbie. Robbie, Robbie, I'm going to, I'm going to take another, I'm going to take another call, right? I tell you the problem I have with it, and I've always had this, I've always said this, I've been saying it on this show for years, and I'm not referring to you when I say this. You see, when I read about people who say the Holocaust never happened, or it's a complete lie, or it was a hoax, when I do a little bit of scratching, the great majority of those people simply hate Jews. And that's fine, they can hate whoever they want to hate. Or or they have some belief that everything that's going wrong in the world, the Great Reset, Agenda 2030, that somehow it's a cabal of Jews behind it. When you scratch the surface of, well, the Holocaust never happened, this is my experience, I'm not speaking for everybody, I find that they've got some deep-seated or deep-rooted problem with Jewish people. That's what I find. A lot of powerful people use Jew, Jew, the, the Jew religion to hide behind, though. I, I do get that impression because, I mean, look how many powerful people claim to be Jewish, like the Rothschilds and etc., all that sort of thing. Yeah. It is a really, it's a weird one. And the, the World, World War II is so strange. It was such a strange thing to, to back Hitler and then go against him. And go and go on on the Soviet side, and then as soon as the war's over, we're at war with the Soviets. Well, not as soon as, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. just, it's just. There's, there's, Robbie, can I? Like Robbie, can I? Right can, I can I say one thing, and then I'm going to give you thirty seconds, and I promise you, I have the final word on this. I'm going to say one thing. I travelled extensively in Germany. I uh-huh. sp- I spoke to Holocaust survivors old men and old women. I've interviewed them. I used yeah. to interview Zionists. I liked some of them, even though I despised their politics and despised yeah. what happened to the Palestinians. I met people in Dachau, old men, who told me what had gone on in that place and that they knew about it, but they were terrified of speaking about it. Nobody can convince me, not because I'm stubborn, but because I've travelled, I've spoken to the people, I've been to the place. Nobody can convince me that there was not a final solution to rid Germany of Jewish people. There was. Now, maybe that's worth looking into in terms of how that happened, where it happened, and the methodology. I've no problems. Nothing should be above revisionism. Nothing. No matter what happened, I've no problem with that at all. But the idea that it's made up, the Jews were not targeted, I don't find it no, offensive that's, because... No, that's not what no, I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Robbie, hang on. I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you the final word. I'm a man of my word. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not lecturing. I'm not preaching to people. Um, that's, that's my opinion. And it's based on my experience. This idea that, that, that nothing happened at all and that it's a hoax. 
uh, to me is a nonsense. And I, I do deeply suspect the motives of, of some of those who say it. I think some of those who say it are like counter-agents to bring down the independent media. That's my final word. I tell you what, you've got just under a minute. You have your final say, and thanks for the call, Robbie. Yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of atrocities happened at the end of that Second World War. The, the, there was In the Rhine Meadows massacre, there was two million German men rounded up and fenced in and given no food and water, and they died within a week. And I think that's sure that's, that's even on uh, Wikipedia. And to, to, to murder two million like that, and then they sent seven million to the Soviet uh, work camps, and 20,000 came back 10 years later. So for us to just to believe in Stalin's nonsense when there's no evidence of gas chambers, I find very strange. Uh, that's my opinion on that. <laughs> Good call, Robbie. Good call, mate. Yeah. And um, yeah. I really appreciate it. Listen, it's probably the last um, phone-in of 2023. So Merry Christmas to you and yours, and, and thanks for listening. <laughs> oh, yeah, what a subject. Eh? Yeah, OK. Thanks, thanks Robbie. Much, You're and welcome, pal. Your great. You're very kind, mate. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks, Robbie. Robbie, on the line from Sterling. Don't say I didn't listen to Robbie. I listened. I countered. Kay says, my granddad was a prisoner of war for five years. He knew what was happening to the poor Jews. That's MK. Uh, Robbie Chomper says, I thought you were wrong on Trump back in the day. Hands up, you were right. And I was wrong. Never will I be fooled again. Thank you for that. Lloyd says, I remember back in the late 1990s when I was around 11 years old, me and my mates would raid the local village paper recycling bank for all the page threes we could get our hands on, says Lloyd. Fantastic. I love it. <laughs> the page threes. I actually can't say, in all seriousness, that I ever got too thrilled about page three when I was a young boy. For listeners overseas who might not know this, but the British tabloid newspapers, well, two of them anyway, used to have, used to reserve its page three for a topless photograph of a model topless. You would see the model from waist up, usually waist up. And she wouldn't be wearing a brassiere or anything like that. She'd, um, you would be able to see her boobs. Never did anything for me now, because I was always a leg man, you see. I was always a leg man. Thanks for your comments on this. There is no taboo subject on the Richie Allen Show. Um, if you've listened to me for years, I've had three Holocaust deniers on the show saying why they disagree, why, why, they, why they do not believe the, what you might call the official version of that history. And I've argued with them, and I've put my points to them, and I disagreed with them. And um, it was all very gentlemanly and ladylike. I had a lady on one time, Red Ice Radio, I think. And um, so we did that, and we had a chat about it. Nothing is taboo. People can say what they want. There's no subject that can't be discussed here, but just don't expect me to agree with you all the time, you know. Because um, I don't agree with you all the time. No more than you agree with me all the time. I wonder if I got Cliff on the line. Is that you, Cliff? 
Hello, Richie. How are you? I tell you what, pal. It's been a long time. Merry yeah, Christmas. Good say, to hear you. No speak. Uh, how, how are you? How's all the family and the dogs? I'm the, sure they're well. They're good. The um, the future missus is in France at the moment with the uh, in-laws having the time of her life and I'm left here to pick up the pieces, Cliff, and do uh, it all. Ah, there you go. You drew the short straw. The short straw. But no, I'm great, pal, and it's lovely to hear from you. Listeners won't know this, but Cliff is a pal. He's a good pal and he's been a vocal and more than vocal, he's been a um, fiduciary supporter of the Richie Allen Show for many years, a great champion of the independent media. So good to have you back on. How's Sue? Yeah, we're all, all good here, uh, to be honest with you. I, I've been up and down health-wise over this last year, uh, but I'm on and up at the moment, which is, which is good. Uh, but I've not phoned to really talk about me. This isn't This phone call isn't about me at all. Um, so, and I know you've got other callers that are lined, uh, you know, wanting to get on. Always so. plenty of time, Cliff, for you. It's been you about, sure? it's a bit, it must be 18 months since we spoke, so absolutely uh, it, right. It, I, I'm not sure. It's, it's probably a year or more, maybe. I, I'm not sure. But, uh, but yeah, I say I, I'm not phoning about me. It's not about me, this, this phone call. This, this is about, uh, I wanted to let you know something that I'd got involved with because I think it would be of interest to you and the listeners. Yeah, uh, fair away. It's about corruption, uh, and I've witnessed it firsthand. Now, so. do us a favour, will you? Um, sure. Use alternative names, or don't use names at all, lest I be sued no, for no, libel. F- funny enough, <laughs> uh, I don't intend to use anybody's name or give any clues about anything. Brilliant. Um, only, only to say that uh, I've been there and seen it personally, and 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 I've also sought permission off of one of the people that I will refer to, you'll understand it as the conversation goes, to to be able to ask his permission to mention him, and I won't do it on air, uh, if you'd like to find out more information because I believe it would be of interest. It's to do with bank corruption, basically. Sounds good, Cliff. I'm intrigued, mate, so fire away then. Okay, so I got involved... I'm in no financial problems myself. Yeah, nothing at all like that at all. Um, But I'm sick to death of seeing what goes on uh, around us all all the time. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure you're the same, uh, as I know you're the same. So I I kind of got involved with uh, a group of people. And what they do, they try and put wrong, sorry, put right some wrongs. And they're very knowledgeable about the law and how the the court system works. So, um, I say I've no, I've known people for quite a while now, uh, and I thought I, I can't sit back anymore and watch what goes on go on. So let me cut to the chase. Bas- basically, in this is in this instance. Uh, a lady was uh, illegally removed from her home. What what happened was um, she got into historic financial problems. Uh, the, the system, as I understand it, and I'm not the expert here, Richie, the, the, the system, as I understand it, means that if you get into more than £5,000 worth of debt, then the, the system will or may come after you and try and make you bankrupt, basically try and strip you of your assets. Yeah. So this lady, I won't give details away particularly, uh, but this, this particular lady inherited a debt uh, of the house that she lived in with, with her relative who then passed away. 
uh, didn't realise there was a debt. Uh, and of course, you know, money's tight. And so what happens or happened is that the system came after her. Uh, but what the system did was employed. So the bank employed bailiffs who broke in through through the rear. Um, of course, a lady never got involved with anything like this before. Hey Cliff, hang so, on, hang on. Before we get to the breaking in, so re relative dies. Um, the lady in question is bequeathed the house, so she has the house. She's unaware that there is a lien on the house. She has no idea, right? That's um, correct. So, so before the bank um, sends the bailiff to come in through the back door, what kind of correspondence happened between the lady that you've been helping and the bank? What did they say? Was, well, go ahead. Well, 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 so, so it went through. Yeah, I've, I've missed a chunk out there. Thanks for winding me back a bit. That's my job. So, so, so what what had happened was it was going through the normal channels of court. You know, you owe us money, you need to pay, uh, you need to come to court, and you need, you're going to have your day in court where, where the court decides what, what will happen. That's normal legal process, yeah? Um, what happened was, that because she was running, running into financial problems, you'll understand I don't want to give her, you know, financial information away, so I'm just going to say financial problems. Um so the, the, uh, the, the, the building society of the house uh, also, she obviously was running into issues. Suddenly she's inherited this place and thinking, my God, I've got all this debt. Um, was there a mortgage but, on it when she inherited it? Yeah, I, I, I believe so, yes. Okay. Yeah. Much of so, a mortgage? Was there much left? Was it, was it a big mortgage? I, I, I don't know that detail, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, it it won't be right for me to say either if 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 I did to be honest with you, um, but there there was other debts like council tax, um, and so she was struggling to get all this, or, which she was unaware of. She was unaware of of the debts. Suddenly she's landed with all this debt that come from nowhere, and unable to pay. She got herself in a in in a position, unknowns to her as things transpired. So so ba basically went went through the court process and you'd expect someone to have their day in court. Uh, unfortunately, the Bill Society uh, instructed bailiffs in advance of a, of a court date um, or, or advance of a court appearance and the bailiffs piled in through the back, flashed whatever illegal documentation at her because it, it wasn't from a court and properly scared the life out of her and, and basically took the house over they took possession there and then they took possession illegally yes uh, so so what what then happened was the group of people and by the way this group of people you you, you get you get gut feelings in your life richie i'd lay my i'd give up my life and put my life in these people's hands they're sort of the earth people what, what they, are they now this is a group of this is a group of lay people who have made it their business to understand the law in, exactly. in this area right okay exactly so that they got to know about it, and I know them. Uh, so I thought I can't stand by and let this happen. So I I, I attended um, on one particular day a number of weeks ago, and um, there's security out the front because the banks are, are, are mindful now that they're getting found out for what they're doing, and that's illegally grabbing houses and selling them uh, through, you know 
that they just employ estate agents. They get them sold. Once it's sold, you're finished. So this goes on. This is going on. No doubt. Country. So did she leave the house then and hand over the keys to the oh, bailiff? Oh, oh, she was forced out. Right, she so was she was gone the house. and they took possession completely. They took possession. Uh, the Bill Society or the bank uh, got uh, security on because they're getting wise that there's people fighting back. Uh, and so they put security on. So unfortunately, the security um, were, weren't, clued up enough and basically uh the the woman was out of her home uh basically the group including me broke back in the house um so of course the first thing that happens is the police are called obviously yeah risky business this breaking into a house yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. But, but i'll explain why nobody uh, got into trouble with the law i'll explain that uh, you know towards the end so ba basically breaking into a house which was illegally possessed in the first place because there was no legal documentation from a court that said you can do this so th 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 this is like the wild west that we're living in richie well it sounds like a very serious crime if you're a bailiff to break into a person's house forcibly and then wave around papers as if those papers had any legitimacy at all or as if they were signed off by a judge and then throw a woman out of her house that sounds like an incredibly serious crime you would think so yeah you, you'll find out when i conclude the story the uh, how the police react to I'm it. I'm intrigued. So you guys break in. We're taking the house because you don't have any right to be here. We're acting on behalf of this lady, and the old bill come around. That's it. The old bill come around. So the, the lady's in the house with us, um, and she's got all her ID to prove that she's the name at Land Registry. Uh, she also has her court papers uh, for her upcoming court appearance. So to say, this is what should have been worked to. Yes. So I, I, I'm, I'm entitled to my day in court. Um, the, 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 poor, the poor lady, you know, she wasn't any spring chicken, uh, and she'd spent uh, two nights sleeping in a car. Uh, it's just disgraceful, Richie. Got nowhere to go. Kicked out the house. Um, so, so basically um, took possession back of the house, bolted ourselves in it, um, and then the police turn up. And I, I, I have to say that I'm sh I was shocked at uh, how the police operate. Uh, they don't want to listen. They, 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 there was a, a one fella outside and one fella inside, which, which is where I was, and they are quoting law at the police. They know their stuff. E excellent. You'd want these people on your side. Um, the ladies in the house got all her ID, prove who she is, um, and the police, all the police want to do is ignore it, and they just want to get the battering ram out and try and pile the back door in. Uh, so, so basically what you do is you take possession back, you close all the doors, all the windows, you lock them up, and then there's a discussion and a standoff between uh you know the group and and the authorities so the authorities don't want to listen you know most most of the well all of the police that were there we were there for about five hours five hours i mean this is ridiculous i mean how long does it take them to check i mean if you're having a rational conversation with them and you say officer we took possession of this house because a 
firm of bailiffs illegally broke in, criminally broke in, ahead of a court appearance. There has been no order by a judge for the house to be repossessed. I mean, how, how could it end up in five hours? That should take two minutes, really. Yeah, well, it took five hours. Five hours. And, uh, and uh, 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 there, there's, there's one, one fellow outside talking to the police directly, part of the group. There's another person on the inside quoting like law at them as well. I don't want to listen, Richie. I was shocked. I've never witnessed anything like this before. I was shocked at how programmed, it's the only word I can use, programmed the police are to basically treat everyone that you've broken, you must therefore be a criminal. Let's be fair to them now. Let's be fair to them. They would have been given a standing order when they left the base by their superior officer, whoever that is, wouldn't they? They would have been yeah. told, right, get to number 25 Acacia Avenue and get those scumbags out of that house. That's your job. Get in there yeah. by all means. So I suppose they're plod, right? Plod just follows orders. And orders are get these people out of that house. So they're not really of the mindset to be listening, are they? You know? well, well, but, but you would think if someone who's enforcing the law would actually, when being quoted the law, would think, hmm, yeah, you might have a point there. Uh, and and it, it was a constant battle to, to get them to talk to whoever was in the station. And, and, and it went on, I say, went on for hours. At one point, they, there was about 15 to 20 of them. I'm not sure exactly how many out there. Uh, but they were, were all kind of putting their crash helmets on about to pile in. Uh, I'm thinking I'm going to spend a couple of nights in jail because there's no way I'm telling them who I am. Or in the infirmary, uh, yeah. Because uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sick to death of this nonsense. Absolute nonsense that goes on. Um, Put me out of so, my misery. How does this standoff end? Right. So what happened was, after hours, finally, uh, someone more superior came down, a superintendent, I guess, who 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 said he actually works in the fraud department, as I recall, which is quite apt. Uh, and he uh, listened to what we had to say five hours later, or we, not me. I'm just a body, you know, I'm just there to lend support. Make up the numbers, yeah, I like that, yeah. just like me, just um, the muscle, the muscle, Cliff, you're the muscle in the, the background. The muscle, yeah. The muscle, yeah. I, I wished. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, so, to be fair to him, he listened, he, 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 he understood that we hadn't caused, uh, we weren't burglars, we'd legitimately taken back the property. And, uh, and the following day, and this, this is like the, the, the disappointment, I suppose, in some respects. So first of all, the positive bit was the following day was there was no criminal, criminal damage charges being brought against anybody for breaking in. I know why you're saying you're disappointed. I like it, Cliff. Yeah, yeah, because you need to get this stuff into court, so, don't you, so that you what, can have what, it on what, the end. Well, that, that, that's one reason I'm disappointed. There is another reason. Um, is that the, um, the, the the bailiffs, you know, they had all the details. The, the bailiffs, the police said, uh, nothing to do with us. You need to take that up with whoever instructed them. That's bullshit because, because, because they broke, they entered under false pretenses. They convinced, they conned a senior lady into believing that they had a court order to take possession of her house. 
This is like, uh, I can only imagine it's like some, if some bloke got knocked down, Cliff, imagine, and they told him to go and investigate it himself. Yeah, the, yeah. The, they're useless, yeah. Cliff, aren't they? They are useless, oh. utterly useless. It beggars belief. Uh, and and the, the gentleman inside the house, uh, again, the, this is a, an experienced group of people that are trying to make a difference. You know, that they see the fraud. I see the fraud. I think we can all see the fraud these days. I, I, went, I went to a, a pantomime yesterday with, with one of my grandsons uh, and a few family members, uh, and it's just everyone's trying to get you for money. You know, par- yeah. parking your car is like eight or ten quid. Depends yeah. how long you're there for. I won't, I won't stand it. I park five minutes away and walk in. You know, if you, if you want to sit on a booster seat, a little kid wants to sit on a booster seat, that they want to charge you an extra yeah. 50p. I know it's 50p, but you already pay for the seat. It's just every which way you go, there's someone trying to, trying to get you. some money at you. I'll make you laugh. It's, it's small potatoes compared to your story. In fact, it's not even potatoes, but I'm yeah. still receiving letters from, um, um, I don't know which authority it is, but uh, tra- for a traffic um, ticket for parking illegally in the Lake District near, near Ambleside. Um, two years ago, they're still sending me the occasional oh, letter. Oh, it's a joke. And I, yeah. I refused to pay it because I was parked in a rural area, nowhere near anything. I wasn't on the road. I was off the road and I was within, I think, five metres or something of where it was tolerable to park. And when we got back to the car, we saw the dickhead putting the ticket on. And I laughed at him and said, listen, you'll never see that money, pal. Um, not from a Saul Fordian like myself. Trying no, to make, good for you. Stand, stand yeah, your but they still send the letters that... Yeah, well, chance their arm that people will cave in yeah, and pay. Well, well, you know, part of this 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 phone call to you is to say some people have got a backbone and some people standing up to this nonsense. Yeah. Uh, and and hopefully more and more people will. Cliff, where can uh, people find such groups of people then? Because it's one thing to tell me this story, and I know we have to protect people's names, and I get that, and I totally applaud that. But there will be people listening thinking, Jesus, I'm going through something like that myself now. Where do I find these people who can give me a little bit of advice? No, 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 that's, well, that might be where you come in. I say up to you. I mean, if I can describe the gentleman that was inside the house with me, um, because he he is – some of these people have been caught by the system uh, and feel they've been um, – fraud has been committed against them. Uh, and you'll know would, – would have heard of, I'm sure – you know, the Lloyds banking fraud, uh, you know, Noel Edmonds has got caught yes, by it. Noel was dung, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, 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 this gentleman also got caught by it. Uh, and so he's on a mission and he was inside quoting law to the police behind closed doors and windows, you know, as they were preparing to try and, you know, knock the, knock the back door with a big battering ram, but they didn't, yeah. to be fair, thank goodness. Um, and it all turned out well in the end. But I say he was there quoting law at them, uh, and he he uh, was telling me about uh, I think it's sixty odd people that have been but have been deliberately defrauded, uh, and they've committed suicide. Uh, it's just and, and you know a, another story about a young lady who's a very young lady uh, who, whose parents are you know going through similar uh, you know almost almost kind of died you know wanted to 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 end it you know these are kids 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's awful what's It must going be on. devastating to have everything that you worked for taken away from you by a scam. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, if, you, so, if you lost it yourself through some stupidity, you might be able to come to terms with it. But to have it robbed, Cliff. Listen, before I take one more call, because I've got to do that, that's a brilliant bit of information. But can people follow you on Twitter and maybe you might connect them with somebody if, if they need some information about how to deal with some of these banks and some of these police because they're going to be yeah, screaming yeah, at me. Yeah. Yeah, but by, by all means, could, could I appreciate you need to get the next call in? Yeah, because I've only got five minutes yeah, left, so yeah, I've got to do it quickly. Yeah, Go on. Yeah, by all means, yeah, I, again, you're going to ask me my Twitter handle now. I, I, you know, um, I can't remember it off the top of my head, Richie. I, I don't go on it that much. But, uh, yeah, by all means, contact me you know, on on Twitter. I, I'm, I'm linked to you on, on Twitter as well, so they'll find me. You are, uh, you are at CliffMoore71 on Twitter. All oh, right, that's great. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> At Cliff Moore, uh, seventy-one. Right, yeah. So, f- final thing: the guy, the guy inside the house knows his stuff. He's he, he's gone through everything within this country and can show corruption. He can show uh, that the state knows about it. Uh, he's trying to take it up to the European courts. Um, he he may well be. Uh, obviously, your your choice. He may well be someone to get on as a guest. Yeah, bring him on, to, Cliff. Connect us, connect us, mate. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I will. So I'll send you off air his detail. All right, uh, and then it's up to you. He's got a website. Uh, it's up to you. Then you know what you do if you if you want him. No, of course we'll have him on. Listen, before I take one more call, it's an old pal of ours. He's not been on for ages, and he'll kill me if you don't get him on for a couple of minutes. Um, Merry Christmas to you and Sue, and thanks for your. Um, enduring support of independent media. Thank you, Cliff. No, you're welcome. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year to you and your family and all the listeners. All the best to all of you. Cheers, Cliff. Lovely Cliff Moore live on the Richie Allen Show Thursday's programme. And we've literally got seven minutes left. Only seven minutes for John in Austin. It's been too long. How are you, pal? Are you well? You're all right, mate. I'm not too shabby. I noticed last time I did a phone-in, at the very end, because I was bombarded with WhatsApps, I noticed that you were trying to uh, pop on and say hello, but here you are now. I'm looking at the clock now, so we've got exactly seven and a half minutes, so um, you're in good form. Sorry, say again? You're in good form. Oh, well... We'll get to that, mate. We'll get to that. But uh, the, the reason I was trying to go on last time was you had a caller, a young fella, complaining about his arthritis. Yes. Now, I know, I know I've told you about the arthritis problem I here, had here in America as a result of vaccinations. But I was originally diagnosed with arthritis back in about 1989 or 1990 and had it for a couple of years. Met a guy one night in a job, gave me this book, and it was a book of chi- ancient Chinese medical cures. Short, long story short, Richie, I ate three pounds of black seeded grapes for five days. I remember you telling me this. Clean as a whistle. Black seeded grapes, and somebody else said this too. Somebody else sent a message through the app a few weeks ago. Black seeded grapes. What's in the black seeded grapes? Is it an anti-inflammatory property or is it a healing property? I don't know, mate. All all I know is at the time uh, we were living in Britain, we were eating grapes from South Africa. Now, when I had the arthritis incident over here, um, you never saw seeded grapes in the stores. But funnily enough, just that one time, there was one of the big grocery stores here did have the seeded grapes. I tried that thing again. It didn't work. Now, I don't know. Maybe the grapes didn't have the same potency as the South African grapes. Or maybe the bloody vaccinations I was given were too bloody strong Possibly, to, to let yeah. the grapes have their effect. But that, that's that. I've got so many things here I want to, I want to share with you. Um 
you opened up, you were talking there about this transgenderism stuff, you know? Yes. Now, yesterday, yesterday I was looking for a bit of paper with... Um, I was watching Max Egan the other day there, and he mentioned this documentary, which I actually watched, and I wanted to remember the name of it. But uh, you were talking about transgenderism, and I found this bit of paper. I don't know when I wrote this, but it's a little ditty, and it goes like this. Oh, my mommy is my daddy, and my daddy is my mum. I'm gender non-specific. I don't know from whence I come. Did I come from mum's with JJ, or was it daddy's bum? Or is Santa Claus my daddy, and did I come down the lum? <laughs> Where did you get that? I wrote that. Oh, you wrote that? Did you? I, I don't know when. It might be. It, it's a. It's a, the nursery rhyme of the future. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Just in case listeners don't know, uh, Tory MP Rachel McLean referred to a Green Party bloke called Melissa Poulton as a bloke in a wig, and it all kicked off because of that. Even though he is a bloke in a wig, and what's wrong with that? If you want to be a bloke in a wig. There you go. Be a bloke in if, a wig, yeah. If you want to, if you want to cure this business about the sea ri- sea levels rising, plant some bloody sponges on the bottom. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yes, why not? Yeah. What, you became an you became an I'm rushing up here, Richie, because I know we're short on time. You became a fan of Iris Dement recently, yeah. I did by accident, isn't it amazing? Have you ever have you ever heard the duet she did with John Prine called no. "In Spite of Ourselves"? No, and w- would it be on one of Iris's albums, or would it would it be on his album? Possibly, you know? just Google it on YouTube. It's it's, yeah. it's hilarious. It's one of the funniest songs you'll ever hear. Isn't she great, Iris Dement? Oh yeah. Yeah, isn't she just yeah. unbelievably? And I'm, I'm I'm taking up your time, so I won't. And by accident, I was in vinyl exchange in Manchester, looking through folk records. And these days, I'm letting my heart choose the records. This is Mark Bayerski esque. So I looked at the cover and thought, "Lovely, I love that." I had no idea who Iris Dement was, and it's there an amazing go. album. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. No, I've got I've got one one other I've got one other uh, yeah, not your last caller but the the guy before he was talking about the Holocaust. Now that uh, that thing I just mentioned it was a a video that uh, Max Egan mentioned and I watched it and it was about a, an Israeli school teacher who had taken a bunch of school kids to visit some of the concentration camps and I can't remember which one he was at. They were in Poland somewhere and I heard this somebody say. Um, they burnt, or they, uh, they, they killed, they gassed and burned so many Jews there. But before they did that, they cut off the, oh, that was it, they cut off the women's hair to be used to make mattresses for German women. And then in another, another video that I watched... And that's obviously which, bullshit, John. That sounds like bullshit to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, on this other one... The, this was a different a different camp, but what they're claiming they did was they they burnt all these Jews, and the Germans used their ashes for compost. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, right. But the, the guy that was talking about that, Richie, I watched this uh, documentary. It's called One Third of the Holocaust, and uh, it was four hours long, and I I just found it really really interesting. I think the guy who did it really did a lot of research because I've kind of studied this thing over the years, not not fanatically, but he concentrated on this, no pun intended, on this one place where they claimed that 700,000 Jews were killed and then they were buried and then they were dug up again to be burned. And he, he just oh, he, he looked at the timeline of this and the logistics of having it done. 
the dimensions of the camp and yada yeah. yada yada. If that was claimed, all... listen, I agree with you. If that was claimed, I I I I got so much stick back in 2019 for several days online after I said when I was asked by an independent, sorry, a woman working for the independent newspaper, um, tried to trip me up online, um, and I. I gave her the answer she wanted, but I consciously gave her the answer she wanted. I said I was fed up, I was sick to death of hearing about the Holocaust. And that sparked five days of unbelievable abuse and threats and everything. Yeah. But I didn't give a shit because I got thick skin. But um, I made a video to kind of explain my situation just for my, for my Jewish listeners, because I thought they had a right to hear what I really believed. And here's my quick theory, and then we'll have two minutes and you can have the two minutes. When it comes to the stupid stories about the skin for the lampshades, I have a theory that I have no proof, no evidence whatsoever to support it. That is, they knew they were going to partition Palestine. They knew they were going to try and get um, nearly a million Palestinians out of the country. And I think they began to make up some of the... By they, I mean the Zionists behind... Um, the creation of Palestine. Well, it was Britain, obviously, but and France, but the Zionists. So I think some of those stories were to soften the blow of what they were going to do in Palestine. That's just my opinion, but I could be talking bollocks, which I often do. What do you think? Final word to you, by the way. Um, well, I just, I, I don't know why, but I've just become a passionate supporter of the Palestinian cause, and it's just breaking my heart Amen. watching what's going on at the moment. But let me, let me finish with this. I spent the first 20 years of my life working in the textile business. So I had a couple of Jewish employers, and I didn't know this. I didn't find this funny at the time, but one of them, actually, he was a Jewish bloke, and his name was Richard Iraq. Richard Iraq with the initial I, and he had that outside the factory in big, big letters. <laughs> and years later, it just made me chuckle every time. Imagine working for a Jew called Richard Iraq. Iraq, yeah. <laughs> He never changed it, no. He left the signage in place. That's, uh, oh, yeah. That's brilliant. Listen, what are you doing for Christmas in Austin? Of course, you'll have a different type of Christmas there in terms of weather-wise. Oh, God. Um, I'm not a fan of Christmas, mate. I really am not. Um, and, yeah. I lo- and I love I it. don't know what I'll be doing. I'll be feeding the cat. I'll, t- I'll do what I do all the time. I feed the neighbourhood cats here around the... The outdoor cats. I do that twice a day. So you're a crazy cat little, man. They're my little babies. You're the crazy cat man of Austin. That's what you'll <laughs> forever be known as. <laughs> Listen, next time we chat, we will have more time, pal. I'm glad you got All on right, because mate. it's been a long time and uh, I love right. hearing from you, John. Merry Christmas, buddy. Even though you don't like it. <laughs> Best to you and the missus. And and you, John. Bye for now. That even is. I turned my own mic off there because I'm an idiot. Uh, that's John in Austin. Who's an old pal of the programmes and that's it for the show thanks to everybody who called in great calls really enjoyed speaking with you today I think it'll probably be the final phone-in show of the year I'd say it will be we've got um, a full week next week Monday to Thursday I might be planning something on Thursday I don't know I've got guests booked in we'll see how it goes in any case next Thursday is the 21st Christmas Eve being Sunday, Christmas Day being Monday. Can I just give a quick promo? Uh, before I do that, by the way, the programme this week has been uh, brought to you by NutraHealth365.com. I can't recommend them highly enough. Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, 
C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. Yeah, what well, I was going to tell you, two things. The Papers podcast will be online tomorrow morning around about 7.30am as the final Papers podcast of the week uh, tomorrow morning. The there won't be there will be a Sunday morning melodies this Sunday. Of course there will. So I'll be with you on Sunday at ten o'clock. Please join me if you can. Sunday. The following Sunday, Christmas Eve, there won't be. That is because Christmas morning melodies will be live on air at ten o'clock on Christmas morning. You get me? You with me? Okay. That's it for today. Have a fantastic weekend. Uh, I really mean that. Look after yourselves and one another this weekend. Closing out with this. It's a bit Christmassy, I suppose. And uh, it's one of my favourite Christmas songs of all time. If it ever plays. There you go. Just reluctant. Bye. Speak real soon. Bye now.